The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you back, but I'm even more excited about our special guest today. He is the founder and CEO of Quality Builders, Jonathan Klim. Jonathan, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Yeah, Cody, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I'm a little cold up here in the windy city of Chicago, so we got two to three inches of snow and my pipes burst this morning. But other than that, I'm doing wonderful. <laughs> well, well, all things considered, uh, it sounds good. But I appreciate you making the time to join us. You know, I don't appreciate you sending all that cold weather down here to the south. If y'all can take that back a little bit, we're a little bit better off with like the 50s around this time of year. But, uh, you know, take that on back. We'd appreciate it. But seriously, thanks for joining. So excited to have you on. I know uh, got to listen to you on John Kasman and a couple other places and super excited to, to kind of hear your story. But before we jump into that, we always love a good origin story and love to hear where you're from, how you got into real estate and where you really find yourself at your career in real estate these days. Yeah, cool. So I'll start at the beginning. I, I honestly got blessed and a little bit lucky that I actually studied a degree that ended up being super practical to what I'm doing today. So I studied construction engineering at Iowa State. I went in and all I knew was from my parents was I go get a get my degree, get a W-2 job, invest in my 401k, retire at 60 if I'm lucky five years early. And so I went and worked for corporate America and I worked for Walsh Construction, one of the, you know, probably top three largest contractors in the country and traveled you know, pretty much all over the country. I lived in Austin, Denver, New Orleans, Dallas, Louisville, Oslo, Norway, Toronto, Chicago. And it was kind of through mishap, not mishap, but I would say through me being cheap and stingy and scarcity minded in the beginning of my life that I didn't want to pay rent anymore. And when I lived in Louisville, I was like, well, I've been paying rent. If I buy a house, I build this money that I pay back to myself. That sounds amazing. And maybe I can get a friend who lives there. And well, if I buy a one that's kind of beat up and I fix it, then it might be worth more. And I, I had no idea about real estate or bigger pockets or anything. And, and that was really my first deal. And I'll dive into it a little bit because it's just a funny story. I, I didn't know what I was doing at all, first of all. It was actually up on the MLS, and it was listed for like 180, 190,000, and no one would buy it. It actually went to auction.com of all places, first property. Don't know what I'm doing, but I've seen it. I've looked at it, log in as a homeowner, start clicking the button. I remember it like yesterday. It was the, the 2nd of January, just after New Year's. And I just kept clicking and eventually they're like, you won. Okay. You have a house now. I have a house. I had no idea what to do. I didn't know what it meant. And I actually ended up getting it for like 114,000. Sounds like a bargain. Yeah. It was a ridiculous deal. And the cool part is with auction.com, if you're a homeowner, sometimes you actually be able to get a conventional loan. 
which I actually had no idea that was a thing. I just didn't know any better, to be honest. And so I got a conventional loan and I was able to, and another funny part is there was other investors who bid on the property, but because I was a homeowner, they prioritize those over investors. Interesting. Yeah. And so that property closed at 115. Of course, like I said before, scarcity minded, kind of unaware. I was handy enough that I'd worked with a carpenter in my past. So I could, I always wanted to do everything myself. You know, I thought I was, I needed to do it. I literally took a palm sander to the floor to sand the hardwood floors. It was that bad. And <laughs> never again, I won't touch, I won't touch the floors in my life again, probably. And, and so time went on, I actually did like, I did the live and flip model where I stayed in it, fixed it up over time and then moved out. I actually had a, a roommate too. So I had my roommate paying. I almost covered all my rent. I didn't know any better. We ended up selling that property for 282000 after putting about 60k into it. Wow. Yeah, so it wasn't a bad deal. And I'm sure you know that capital gains tax, if you've lived there two out of the last five years, you don't have to pay any capital gains. So I got all of my profits with no taxes. And then after I was in Louisville, I moved to Oslo, Norway. And that's when I really had some time to discover myself and who I was. I was on a project that I didn't enjoy. I really focused on myself. I started doing yoga. I started doing meditation. I found Bigger Pockets real estate website. And and before, you know, my parents are baby boomers. Before their parents, they were in the Great Depression. And I was just kind of taught that I had to save my way to get rich, not that I could grow my way to get wealthy. And it was just a mindset shift that I went through when I was there to realize all the opportunities that are out there that I just wasn't aware of. It just wasn't something in my family that we talked about. All I knew was you go to college, you get your W-2 job. My dad worked at the same place for 35 years, you know, and, and we are our parents until we can become aware enough of our own thoughts to do something different if that's not what we are meant to do. And I just knew I was meant for bigger things after that. And so I got back to Chicago and bought my next property, a two unit property. And once again, failure after failure. I, I bought it going in and I, I bought it for cash, waiving my mortgage contingency because my real estate agent wasn't an investor friendly agent. So she really didn't have any idea what it meant to be waiving my mortgage contingency with a property that needed to be completely gut rehabbed and that the lender needed to still sign off on it. And, and, and mind you, <laughs> I'm just remembering this as I'm talking, I didn't put your normal, like 1% escrow down. I think I put 10%. I put $60,000 down. Ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch. And, and, and all of a sudden my lender's like, what do you mean you went hard money? And, and, and I'm walking through the prop and then finally, I, you know, by the grace of God, we closed on the property. I honestly think 
someone might have given that appraiser some money to let it go through and uh, because it wasn't because i mean usually appraisers looking for a property to be safe sanitary and secure it wasn't safe it wasn't sanitary and it wasn't secure <laughs> so any bank lending on that without a construction loan it it wasn't realistic and so i just got lucky and we did a we did a full gut rehab that one i learned the hard way again you get what you pay for every time and i'm still learning that lesson over and over and over again but i've learned it enough now that i really can recognize when i'm getting into that mindset of scarcity and thinking i'm getting a better deal when i'm not mm -hmm. so i had an electrician lined up that was referred to me from a friend referrals from friends are the best they're always the rock star people and the other electrician i hired was nothing two grand cheaper i think we get into the project all of a sudden he's asking for more money because he's having to rewire all these things that he wasn't aware of you know typical contractor i can say that because i'm a contractor that actually puts in a bid to get the job then marks things up to get more money change order change order and then i refuse to pay him i was like i'm not paying for this i know I know you knew what the scope of work is. It's outlined in the contract we signed. And all of a sudden, one day goes by, the weatherhead for the new service electrical line disappears. Brand new, you know, $2,500 service is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm about to cry, you know, this is my second deal. I'm like, what? And, 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 and he says, Oh, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. And I was like, I know, I know for a fact, no one came and stole this weatherhead. You just put it on. You're the only one who would have known it was up. And I, man, I, I was driving by the house at 11 at night, 12 at night, the next two or three nights in a row. Cause I was so paranoid about what was happening. And so, you know, I'm sure, you know, those lessons that you learn early on, that you get what you pay for. It's just, I take so much value in someone who's gonna stick to their guns with me about their their worth and their value. Because when you undermine someone, it just doesn't pan out. That's a clear indication of, if I would've went with the other guy, I would've had such a better experience. Well, and I think to your point, we've had a, we've been very fortunate. We've had a lot of people on the show and I think property managers and contractors are, are two of the, most common topics, right? And especially contractors, a lot of people don't have that skill set. I don't by any means. So when we do a lot of stuff, you know, we're looking at contractors. I look at contractors for my, you know, personal house, for our projects, things like that. And a good contractor is worth their weight in gold. And mm -hmm. you may pay a little bit more per project, but the peace of mind of not having to drive by your property at 11, 12 o'clock at night, every night, or, having them run up the bill on change orders because they know that they're doing quality work. They're going to get more yep. work from you down the road. Um, you align on what the scope is, what you need them to do. And I think a lot of times when you find those guys, you know, find these crews, these companies, it's also about the communication. It's, Hey, here's what we need to have done at this property. Here's kind of the, the budget we need to, here's the budget we have. Here's the scope of the work that we need to do. Can we all play in the sandbox together? And here's mm -hmm. the timeline. And, and, and if the answer is yes, great, let's do that. Um, I would, I would, 
tell people like get some of that done, you know, the, some of those estimates done before you sign the contract. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, but you know, if you have a good contractor, they're going to walk the property with you. You're going to say, Hey, these are, this is what I'm kind of thinking. They're going to collaborate with you on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those lessons you learned early on, especially, you know, you're a contractor yourself, like the, <laughs> the, the lessons you learn with, with the idea, you know, you pay for what you get, but also, um, you got to do your due diligence and make sure everything's spelled out correctly. And there's a lot of time and effort that I don't think people talk about when they're talking about actually investing in real estate. They think it's going to be passive. They're not the ones swinging the hammer. They're not managing the property. They feel like it's going to be turnkey, but it's not, you know, you know, you're out there checking on the, the progress of this property all the time. You're making sure it's secure and safe as the project's going along. That's not passive. (laughs) you know, that's not passive at all. You know, that's active. You may not be swinging the hammer, but you're still active in the property. So, I mean, it sounds like you've, you've learned a lot of your career. It sounds like you've had a a couple of missteps here and there that have really helped catapult you to where you're at today. Anything else really kind of come to mind that sticks out in your, your early part of your career? Yeah. Well, it's funny. A couple of things came to mind when you're talking. I, I, I worked at my W2 as a contractor and then I didn't treat my actual projects like I would a project that I was at work with. And I think that's always something important to remember is like you have to treat your business like a business. I think too many people go into real estate thinking it's not a business and they can be lenient in this way or that way. And you just have to stick to your principles is one of the things I've come to find is the more self-disciplined I can be personally and in business, the easier my decisions get because it's not my decision, it's the process that governs the decision. I've heard a lot of people in entrepreneurship, real estate, sports, if you will, like it's be married to the process. The mm-hmm. end result will will speak for itself. It will take care of itself as long as you stick to the process. And I think yeah. to your point, as we've a lot of us transitioning away from that W2 world, we have a process set up at work where we know hey, these are the things I need to do to be productive in my day, be yep. productive in my month, quarter, whatever it is. We don't take that same effect. It's like, oh, no, like we'll figure it out as we go in real estate. Mm-mm. It always backfires. Yeah. And, and you also mentioned something about vetting. The funny part is that electrician I found, 95 Google reviews, you know, 4.7 stars. And so, and I what I, what I do, I just called him, had him come look at it and give him a bid. The, the number one thing I can always recommend to newer investors who are working with contractors, go to a current job site that that contractor's on and see what it looks like. Get to know them genuinely and look them dead in their eye to just see what type of person they are. You know, I want to base everything I'm doing, my entire team around relationships of people that I want to be friends with, hang out I don't want to be just a business business transactional type of person. I want to be a relationship person. And I think there's a typically a large divide between our personal lives and our business lives. And I'm always trying to blend those together and be the same person in both places. I think there's a lot of value there because I think the more real you are with people, and like I mentioned earlier, just communication, that makes the communication easier. If you don't have this like dual personality, here's who I am at home, here's who I am at work. If you're just who you are, it becomes all more natural. You're more open to conversation. More people are going to be willing to talk with you and understand where you're coming from. I think there's a lot of value in what you're saying there, Jonathan. It's it's um, 
why why put on this mask you, you know to to do these things whereas hey just be yourself uh i would say you don't necessarily have to be friend friends with these people but opening and letting your natural personality come out will pay huge dividends for what you're trying to do as a you know kind of a loose partnership between you and a contractor you and a property manager you and whoever right i mean i would imagine you've probably seen that in your career thus far countless times yeah i'm i mean relationships are the number one thing that get us to where we're going you know our network is our net worth the five people we we surround ourselves most is who we become like these are all common sayings that have become 100% true in my life and it doesn't when you hear them when you're kind of getting going on kind of your business journey it doesn't make as much sense until you've actually experienced leveling up to those different levels and then my goal now is to just continue be surrounded by people who are further ahead than I am and it just lifts me up exponentially more than I could have ever expected. Yeah, because you're you're always reaching for that next rung, right? You see where where you want to be, and if you can go up there and try and grab that and you push yourself, it's it's even better. I I'm not a fast runner, but anytime I've ever run, I always like running with somebody slightly fa- not like significantly faster than me, but like just slightly faster than me. Um I'll never forget the like the fastest mile time I ever ran at this gym I used to go to there was this uh, lady there and she played uh, collegiate soccer and she was just slightly faster than me. And I ran the fastest mile time ever. Cause I was just trying to keep it step for step with her. So I love the idea of like surround yourself with people just above where you're wanting to be mm-hmm. to go, to go find that next step, to push yourself to, to do that because it's not the, you don't need motivation. You need dedication to get to where you yeah. want to be. So. And the other point too is it's funny because you don't want someone who's so far ahead that you can't catch up. And that's like such a good point you just made is that oftentimes we think we want to be, you know, on this huge level so far ahead, but use that runner analogy. It's like, if you can't even see the person ahead of you anymore, there's no chance you're going to ever catch them. You know, you need someone that you're just behind. That's kind of pulling you to push you to be the best person possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, first, you know, I, I'm not going to sit out there and compare myself to Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone, right? I mean, he, you know, he's light years ahead of where where I would ever be at this point in time in my career. So, what I love is, you know, we have a local meetup we go to, we run one here as well. I love yeah. meeting people that are five, ten years ahead of me, just a couple of steps of where I want to be at ahead. And I'm like, man, that. Like, what did they do the last five years to help get them to where they are today? Because those are the people yeah. I want to talk to the most and, and collaborate with. Because I'm like, man, you just went through what I'm going through. What can I learn from you? Where, where, where can I glean from some of the mishaps you had and, and maybe <laughs> el- eliminate them if I can, right, Yeah. Uh, from from what I'm doing? Yeah, what what unsuccessful stories do they have <laughs> so that you don't have to make the same ones? Yeah, absolutely. The next property I had, I... Didn't pull permits, got dinged, not pulling permits. Inspector came in, made us rip out everything. There was asbestos under the tile in the kitchen. We had to rip out all the tile, you know, and I'm a contractor. I know what the right thing to do is. And I still wanted to, why? Because I was rushing. That's the most critical thing. And I found one of my favorite quotes from my mindset coach is rushing is resistance. When I'm rushing, I'm not actually enjoying my present time. I'm not enjoying the process. And life is about 
the process and the journey. It's not about the results. So I've always tried to embrace figuring out how to love the process because it's never ending. Yep. I, I love it. Jonathan, honestly, I can't thank you enough for being on here. That's probably as good enough spot as ever to, to, to wrap up. Uh, I think there are a ton of segments in here that I think people should go back and listen to. And I, and I don't say that lightly because you, you've given us a bunch of golden nuggets for those that are maybe early in their career or those that are kind of deep into their career. Because I know we, we sometimes lose our way. You know, we get tied to certain things. We get going fast. And we forget some of the fundamentals and understand that we got to be we got to be honed in on that process no matter where we're at. So uh, I really, really appreciate you jumping on. Jonathan, for those that want to connect with you, work with you, invest with you in the future, where's the best place people can find you at on the interwebs? Yeah, the best place is probably on our website, www.qualitybuilders.com. Super straightforward. We're on Instagram. is probably the best place to see our work. We're always posting information to help real estate investors, motivate real estate investors, and then kind of show them what we're doing. And yeah, I really appreciate being on. I thought you did a great job. Tons of awesome questions. And I really, like I said earlier, just love that you're highlighting people's unsuccessful stories because it's those stories that get us to our highest achievements. And so the more we can focus on those and avoiding them in the future by listening to the podcast like this, the quicker we're going to get to the, where we want to be. Jonathan, I, I very much appreciate the compliments. It means a lot. Uh, folks, thanks you for listening. Thank you for joining. Jonathan, thanks for being on, and we will see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.